We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Tonight you've got myself, Mark Crosswood, and Scott Fawcett. Lou can't be with us this evening. Um, but we're going to talk about one shot to rule them all. We're going to talk um, about shot shape and how you should fight it or just play what you've got. And we've also got a special guest in Zach Johnson talking about his ideas of shot shape. Should be a fun one. Welcome, Scott. How are you? I'm fantastic. Sad. Um, the, the Byron Nelson's in town this week, and it's been raining. I haven't even gone out to a practice round. The PJ Tour's 15 minutes from my house this week, and I'm just okay. okay that's frustrating. Yeah, hopefully it clears up. Yeah, absolutely. So you managed to get some time with Zach Johnson. I think it was almost last year you talked to him, wasn't it? But you've got a little recording for us to play to the audience from Zach talking about his ideas of one shot shape or fighting shot shapes, those kind of ideas. Let's listen to what Zach had to say. Got Zach Johnson right here talking about hitting one shape with the driver. Tell me what it does for you. Well, I, I think you want to establish something that you can rely on. You know, and this this game is as difficult as it is. You you want to have something where, especially in a situation that's crunch, where it's later in the day, where it's you know just a crucial tee shot, a crucial seven iron shot. It's just I mean you, you got to rely on something, something that got you there in that first place. And if you if you don't have it. And you've got five or six different options. You get cluttered, and it just becomes more difficult. So I, I prefer to have that stock shot you know you can hit. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you know it's going to come out of the right barrel. It's not going to be a double cross. That's exactly right. The, the dreaded left shot. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it a lot, buddy. Good to see you. Good luck this week. So interesting thoughts there, Scott. I know it's something that you really talk about. Tell us your feelings on shot drawing into this pin, fading into that pin, those kind of ideas, or should I just be hitting it one way? Well, I mean, and this is where even Zach is talking mainly with the driver there, but I really do. Like, I only fade golf shots, period. I do not hit a draw. I mean, if a tree, if a hole is a huge dog leg, I'll draw a three wood. But for the most part, there's got to be something really, and the only reason I'm going to draw it off the tee is going to be because of tree. So essentially, the only reason, like a number 10 at Augusta, the only reason... I personally am ever going to hit a draw is going to be because of trees. You know, again, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that if I were going to try to go back and play on the PGA tour, I might need to get a little bit more functional with a drawing iron. I, I actually don't necessarily believe that's true, but I'll concede that possibility. But 
I doubt we've got 30 PGA Tour members listening to us right here. So I managed to play golf at a pretty high level and I can only do one thing effectively. And I, I do use that as, as enough of a, you know, a test case that you can play this game at a pretty high level only doing one thing. Yeah, and lots of golfers have proven that over the time. And I, if you think of someone like Colin Montgomery, he's hitting it exclusively one shape every time. Um, rema- uh, you know, amazingly reliable golfer, and that's one of the words we hear Zach use. It's almost it's reliable. It, it's giving him peace of mind, isn't it? That's what I think one shot shape really can do for golfers. Is it? It can take the panic away. Do you, do you not think it can take that anxiety right down if you know that you can aim at one side and it's going to move back to another side? It, 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 well, it's great for peace of mind, is it not? Exactly what you just said there is is where the traditional you know playing lesson course management advice of you remove the left you know one side of the course I shouldn't say the left side but you know for faders right-handed players typically they talk about removing the left side of the golf course I've got I love David Duvall but I've got a clip from him in my seminar that I use where he's saying you know as a right-handed player I think it's really nice to just stand up on a tee and, and know it's not going left and yet when he was playing his best, he still missed, you know, of the fairways he missed about half of them were left and half were right because these, you know, PJ tour players, they're not total idiots. As I say all the time, he understands that if the lakes on the right, well, I'd better miss it left on average. What he really is saying by, and no, it's not going left is, and no, it's not turning left because yeah. those are the double crosses. And that's what really makes your shot pattern essentially unfunctional, infunctional, non-functional, whatever the, whatever the right word of that is. I don't know. I actually don't know. Just not nice. <laughs> Just not good. And, and that really is, I mean, again, I, I really think that it's, so when I started tinkering with that 47 inch driver last year, all I was doing was going for max top end speed. I had no idea if it was going to hook or fade, but I wasn't, that wasn't what I was trying to do. I was just purely trying to lift my governor. And the few times that I took it out to play at at Stonebriar Country Club here in Dallas, if anyone's ever been there, maybe the one of you, but there's a a one par five and actually was on a a webinar with my surgeon this morning. He's a member at Stonebriar and we were looking at that hole specifically and it's 80 yards across, which I'm normally looking for 65. Right. That there's plenty of room there, but with that longer driver and I didn't know if it was going to hook or fade. I'm just lining that thing right up down the middle. And I just, like you say, the confidence, the security blanket of, I don't really know which way this thing's going to turn. People incorrectly say that that makes your shot pattern half as small. That's the shot pattern still huge, but it does make it a lot smaller by eliminating the two way miss. And so that's a hole that, I mean, I know with my, with my fade, with my normal driver, I can stand up and line that thing up, you know, 15 yards inside the left OB, swing as hard as I possibly can. No, I will slightly double cross it every once in a while, but I'll just, I just really won't ever turn, you know, draw it more than 10 yards. Like my biggest miss left is going to be about a seven yard fade, or excuse me, seven yard draw up to a big flare. And that makes your shot pattern, like you say, just really dependable. And it's funny because I just, I, I work with so many average players via the decade app. So I, you know, I don't necessarily work on one-on-one with them, but I get a lot of comments and feedbacks and emails and direct messages and questions. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And they're just like, you know, I don't really know which way I hit it, but I definitely, I guess I like fading it more, but I don't know. And I'm like, well, then that's just a good sign. You need to pick one of them. You don't have a clue what you're doing. Yeah, that's crazy. I always, when I get students and I say, you know, what's your bad shot? Where does it go? And they say, well, don't know really. Goes left, goes a bit right. Okay. Just hit a few shots and they're blatantly just slicing everything. I think, well, you obviously miss hit a few left, but I don't think you've ever tilted the spin axis into a draw fashion ever. Like you've healed some left and not realized that. But I always think it's really interesting that golfers, and I think even in good players, like you say, to not know your shot pattern whatever it is. And I used to see it so much in lessons. You know, any, any coaches listening, they, they'll giggle at this. You know, it is one of those things, the amount of students I would get in and say, what are we working on? What's the bad shot? And they would go, Oh, I kind of hit it quite straight. I'd like to be a bit more consistent. <laughs> and then they start hitting it and they're just like blatantly cutting everything. You think, how have they answered my question that way? Like that worries me that they're, they're obviously looking at, end result only they're not looking how it got there i mean i remember playing in events where i was making the cut like scrabbling through making the cut and i'm hitting shots that i'm just not enjoying you know i'm aiming right of the pin and it draws left side of the pin and it ends up quite close and i'm not happy and the people i'm playing with are maybe not making the cut are like going like what's wrong like why why are you moaning that i'm thinking if i hit that shot on three other holes that are coming i'm hitting the water because i was trying to aim right at that pin and move it a bit further right you know i i just was it wasn't the shot i wanted to hit yes it's ended up close but there is i'm there's no reliability there's no long term in this and it actually makes me not enjoy playing golf because i i'm standing there thinking i don't know where this is gonna go surprises aren't fun (laughs) yeah totally well they make you anxious don't they that's the thing i think that's the thing zach's saying it's that reliability it's that peace of mind it's that it's giving him some kind of respite and that's the thing on the golf course is there isn't much rest is there there's not much downtime on a golf course you know you've played like you say you're constantly at some level of stress. But if you just know when you're playing well that certain clubs are going to move certain ways, it's like an ounce of rest, I always think, mentally and physically when you're out there to actually enjoy yourself a bit more. Well, to, to that point, and that's it's this paradox of choice that I talk about whenever I was caddying for, you know, Will Zalatoris, you know, 2014, 15, 16, as we've all now seen, the kid's really good at ball striking. And he was that way when he was 17. But there's this paradox of choice where like he can hit any shot at any given moment. And I do still believe that his shot pattern with the fade, with the drivers better, with the draws, with the irons better, which is totally fine. That's just ball position and angle of attack, whatever. But we're walking up to every single shot and he's got a thousand options. I'm walking up to a shot. I've got four. It's yeah. going to be a fade and it's going to be low, medium or high. Yeah. yeah I'll yeah. vary my trajectory. I just won't vary the face to path relationship, meaning just shape. 
And it is just funny how when we, we there was a number of shots we walked up to, that, especially that one year we played at Riviera, the first year that he was uh, a freshman year in college. And number 15, he just had the most perfect, I believe it was an eight iron, where it was just a solid, perfect stock eight iron center of the green. Pin was four yards from the right. And he's like, I have it the seven iron. I can just kind of flare it perfectly. Same line, but it'll just come in a little bit softer. I'm like, whatever, dude, I think you can hit either shot. I think the eight iron's easier, but I don't really care. And he yeah. takes the seven iron and he hits this just beautiful flare. And it was a hard shot and it went exactly where his eight iron would have gone. And that's when we're walking up there. I'm like, he's like, see, and I'm like, I see that, but let's get up here on the green because I want to pace that off. I think it is exactly where we agreed your eight iron would go. And when, then we got up there when it was, and he's like, it was like a kind of a light bulb moment for him. But like, wow, I really did make that shot a lot harder than I needed to, you know, and, and I do, I do argue this a lot because I do think that this is one of the easiest ways for people to shed shots off their score. I mean, literally overnight, it's just stop trying to do so much. Yeah. And I thought it was amazing last week. You know, you brought up Rory a little bit earlier, but Rory is probably one of the five best drivers of the golf ball, maybe two, him and Norman. Like, I can't think of anyone. If, if you took Tiger in 98 through 02, he's the best ever. But aside from that, like for just your career, Rory's about as good as it gets. Yeah. And so it, it is a tough argument. Like, I bet he'd do better by hitting one direction because he does seem to pull it off fairly well. And his stats, but that, just because his stats say he's great at it doesn't mean – that it wouldn't be even better potentially and or as your body changes it does just change just because you know Zalatoris was hitting a stuck slingy draw when he was 17 years old he wasn't strong enough to get the club in a in a fade position if you will like he's just hips and everything are just 90 degrees open at the target and just slinging this draw out there and and the instructor that he started working with at that time was trying to get him hit a fade and I was like will you that you're not strong enough to get that club in the right position to be coming in from the right angle everything you've got is just done. i'm saying stuff i have no idea if you realize like what is this guy talking about but literally <laughs> <laughs> swinging so hard and coming so hard from the inside like the only shot you're hitting is a draw or a block cut you're not going to be hitting the fade that that guy was wanting him to but as a result he really did just start getting kind of a two-way miss going on the reason I brought all that up is to me, Rory now is as a 32 year old, I believe he's obviously in better shape than he was when he was 21 years old, when he first turned pro, but his body is changing and yeah. it might just be an easier shot now for him with maybe a little bit less hip mobility, maybe a little bit less, whatever it is to just hit kind of a blocky holdy fade like yeah, a cause, DJ cause, Brooks. Yeah. Cause he is talking, obviously it's been, pushed in the press and what have you on Twitter and the rest of it, that he's now going to try and exclusively hit a fade and he's going to use a three with the driver to a draw. Yeah. Use if he wants to draw uh, off the tee, he said he'll go to his three wood. I think I read somewhere. Um, Cause before what, what would Rory's stock shot be if we go back five, 10 years like or, or five years? Like what, what's his stock shot? I believe with it a would driver. be a draw with the driver. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's would... how he got his, his, you know, his, best driver and one of the best driver of all time stats from hitting that shot. Now I'm not saying exclusively hitting a fade at the moment is a bad thing in any way. I think it could be great for him. Um, but I agree with you as well. Things do change. And I also think panic levels change your ability to 
feel like you can still win changes and what you want to achieve. And if at that moment in time, you just feel more secure, more reliable hitting a fade, regardless where that actually is at the moment, if that's something you want to strive to, I, I understand that. I, that makes sense to me. What do you think? Well, it, it, totally. And it's easy to take Rory. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate on myself now. Rory won in his first week of saying, I'm going to hit driver exclusively, but he also only gained 2.3 off the tee, whereas his season long average is 0.75 shots per round. So that's three shots is his average. And so, you know, a few people that I like to interact with on Twitter on this thing were like, well, he <laughs> didn't drive it well. He won because of his putting. And I'm like, I mean, maybe, but you have to keep in mind, he was plus 2.3 off the tee and he lost 1.1 on the 72nd hole when he tried to draw a three wood yeah. and he put it in, in the hazard left and lost 1.1. So without that one shot that was technically a three wood, he's gaining 3.4 on the week, which is better than his season long average. Yeah, it's interesting. So I would just, you know. So the data set's too small, basically, isn't it, to really form? And that's kind of where I'm saying, you know, we need to let it play out. If he feels like this is the way it needs to go, then definitely. Because when it comes to feeling, someone like Rory's going to know what he wants to feel to hit target, isn't he? Yep. I mean, and, and it's funny, just as I sit here and look at shot link, one of the main things I talk about a lot is just not having abysmal approach shots and just trusting that good shots will be there for yeah. the week for 72 holes. He had one approach shot that lost more than 0.5 shots, one all week. Wow. And that's there, there's a there's a former Walker Cup player that I did some work for a couple of years ago in one of his first starts. And he had like eight shots in, in one round or excuse me, in one tournament where he made the cut and lost more than 0.5 shots on an approach shot. Tiger had seven shots where he did that in the entire 2013 season. Mm. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> buddy, I'm telling you, you can't quite play that aggressive. <laughs> and it's just when you actually look at those numbers, I'm like, I get it. You made the cut on tour. I get it. You're a Walker Cupper. I get it. You're good at golf, man. But yeah. you hit a lot of horrific iron shots this week. And it, they might have been good. They might have been good shots that just with the wrong target, trying to force things here or there. And Rory had one all last week. So it's easy to say he won because of his putter. He gained seven, which, but that's the way it usually works. Um, he can't bank on gaining seven every week, which is why he can't bank on winning every week. But he gained 2.3 with the driver, 5.3 with the irons, gained a quarter of a shot with his, uh, you know, around the green and gained 6.94 putting. That's a lot of just good golf that adds up to a win. And there are these little things within strokes gain where the categories do kind of steal from each other. Um, but I mean, it, you say he gained 2.3 with the driver. That's not actually true, is it? Because he lost one of 0.9 of that with the free wood. So he actually gained more with the driver. Didn't he? I know, I think oh, no doubt. Split. Like we would literally have to go through there by hand and figure yeah, out yeah. where he yeah. didn't, didn't hit driver. But yes, on the last hole of the tournament, he lost 1.1 for a minus two or excuse me, a plus 2.3 total. So without that one three wood, he's in the positive. But again, like when I search for my players, I always in, in shot link, I can highlight to lost 0.5 shots or more. And then I go to those shots just to see, is there anything that makes sense? And as we were talking in the third round on number 12, he hit a this, shot 301 yeah. yards that is literally 60 yards left. Yeah. I would bet that's kind of a growing pains double cross. The hole does move a little bit from left to right. 
it is it's it's a little bit of a funky tee shot but he hit literally the worst tee shot of anybody in the field the entire week i actually would argue the way i view that is he's kind of lucky that it happened on a hole where you know there's not an ocean left or something at 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 tory pines yeah yeah he did it on a hole that's just kind of out in the middle of nowhere and you know, he made double, but that's because he then hit the trees. He didn't get his approach shot back, you know, his from the trees. He left it in the trees and made double, which is one, one of the Tiger Five. No, no double bogeys. Yeah, especially without yeah. penalty shots. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, even with someone like Rory going to exclusive one shot, I mean, it, it just makes so much sense. So what would it mean for the, you know, the average golfer listening, the normal golfer? I mean, it's something I've always worked with with students um, often persuading them that they are that their shot shape that they have got, that they come into the lesson with. Yes. Sometimes it's got too much curve, but it can be very reliable. It might be reliably 30 yards right all the time, but then they're very, um, they're very reluctant to actually aim left for it. They seem to think that they have to aim at everything, get the target and it goes at the target. Um, <laughs> I, I think real golfers can really learn. I mean, that's what you notice with good players, as a generalized rule is they are trying to make it as easy and simple as possible where I see lots of average golfers really trying to achieve things that I just think, well, we could get you doing that. Will you be any better? You know, so you take a 15 yard cutter into a five yard draw player and you think, well, I know that's desirable and you've hit a couple and they did go a little further because you presented less loft and the spin came down and what have you. Um, Will you actually go out there and be a better player with that? And I say to my students, like, I don't know. Because I don't know. It, when I watch you hit those shots, you actually look more reliable with the fade. And that's sometimes a really hard message to give to an ordinary golfer. They, they want that kind of pretty shot every time, it almost feels like. But, but even still, like, even with my tour players, it is just, I think that it's the hardest part of this game is going out there and just trusting the good will be there. Yeah. And you can actively avoid some of the bad. There, you know, obviously bad's going to happen all the time, but you can actively avoid a lot of the bad just by not trying too much. But this is what it's, it really is so interesting because if I asked you, you know, I feel like I said this on last week's podcast, maybe, but who are the two best players ever? Nicholas and Tiger. Who are the best two lag putters ever? Nicholas and Tiger are in the conversation, but who are the two best strategic golfers, course managers in the history of the game? Tiger and Jack are the first two names that come up. Yeah, yeah. And also, yes, Tiger did the nine box drill once he started working with Hank, but I would also say he sucked at it with the driver. When he was working with Butch, he basically, from my conversations with guys like Hal Sutton and Ogre and guys that played golf with him back in the day, he basically cut the driver and drew the irons in the vast majority of situations yeah. And it is just, it's just so, it's so simple, but you also have to just trust the good will be there. The, yeah. The, the, yeah. the variance within your shotgun shot pattern will result in looks. It, it's actually interesting. As you were talking a second ago, it reminded me one of the interesting things, you know, obviously Chris Como and I've been good friends for damn near 20 years now. And I worked on my game with him from 2006 or so through about 2015. And Craig Ranch, so when I had status on the Corn Ferry Tour, I've played golf out of TPC Craig Ranch, where the PJ Tour is this week. And number five, I can't wait to see the shot length data from number five this week, because from hazard to hazard, that hole is 60 yards. 
Uh, it is a reachable par five that if you drop back to three, would you can't really get home in two. I mean, you can with the right wind and conditions, whatever, but you can't really for the most part get home in two. So it's a driver because you can get it up and putting three wood doesn't make it much wider. It's obviously not an iron. So it's just, you're going to hit balls. And I can't wait to see what the actual penalty rates are there. But the reason I bring that hole up is Como definitely wanted me working the ball both ways. Like you just got to have command of both shapes and I always told him because of number five at Kirk Ranch, I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, I fade the ball better than I draw it. But then this is a hole where you're saying, you know, you've got to have both shots. But my miss as a result of even being able to draw it some is almost always a double cross. So just by having the ability to get the face left of path on this one hole, I will double cross it hard left quite often. And if I'm trying to play a draw, I'm for sure block cutting my misses. Yeah, and yeah. that's the hole, literally, exactly that made me. It just cemented in my head. I can stand up, yeah, I can stand up with confidence all day long and hit a fade all day long. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it's not. Well, draws go longer. No, draw just has a slightly different tilted spin axis. It, it, the, the ball is still backspinning. <laughs> it yeah. might be spinning less because typically the shot that players hit with their driver, the draw it's actually just making the driver be better fit for them because it's coming off a little lower and a little less spin, but given the right proper fitting, there's no reason a fade can't come off with the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those yeah, totally. Totally. And I mean, I'm a big fan as well of having with my students, when you talk about real golfers, um, is that they don't have the same the same shot pattern with every club. Like, I don't mind if you draw your nine iron naturally, as long as it happens most of the time, and then you move to the lower lofted stuff, a hybrid or five iron or four iron, and that naturally fades a bit more. Like, I can't remember ever not playing golf, even when I started as a kid, thinking this three would tends to cut. So I aimed up the left. It just seems so logical. Like, why would I try and draw a free wood from the deck? I'm rubbish at doing that. Where my nine iron, I would stand there and aim like at the pin and slightly to the right because it tends to have a little draw to it. Like, why am I going to try and make that work like my free wood? So I'm quite a fan of having students. And it's, so this is one that really blows the head off sometimes, I think, where I don't mind if you fade your driver and draw your irons or draw your irons up to a certain loft and then they start straightening off and turning into a fade as long as it's reliable as long as that's what comes out most of the time um is that, well, that tends to just be a ball position thing as much as anything it's a ball position thing it's a strength thing it's how they then work out how to present loft so people try to add loft sometimes when they know that the ball just isn't going to launch because they're taking loft off it's many many factors you give people longer clubs instantly like i'm did you see your shot pattern change with the longer driver into more of a, diff, a different shape like when i used the 48 inch driver i was generally hitting bigger cuts with it you know i just i, I never got it fit well it. enough um, again, I, I was working on that right before I got COVID and then my joints have all been bad. I never, I never switched from, I'm just going for speed to now I'm trying to keep it in play. So okay. I, I never got to the, to the spot. I'm hoping I haven't played golf in six months now. I'm hoping that I can start playing again in a couple of weeks because yeah. I'm going to jump right back on that horse and try to start hammering yeah. that thing. But what I'm saying is, as I, I noticed, as I went to the longer driver, my shot patterns just changed and yeah. I didn't ever try to fake. I changed that. I was just using that club to play with speed. And I then just started changing my aim to make sure the thing hit the center line. I, I wasn't fighting it. I was gaming it and just trying to move it as fast as possible. And that's what you see with amateurs. They, they, 
They seem to think that they've got to do it. It's the idea that you've got to do it right. That I used to always find that really interesting when I was coaching full, full time. People weren't happy with reliable sometimes, even though they would always come in saying, I want to be more consistent. I want to be more consistent. Okay. Well, you've got a pretty consistent cut there. Like we could use that. Yeah, but it's not right, is it? And I think, well, what, what, do, what does not right mean? Like, it, yeah. it's such a it funny idea. Like, what's not right is that you're off 22 and you should be on 15. That's what's not right. You know, that's what I used to think. So, yeah, a, a reliable shot shape, I think, as Zach was saying, there, is um, so key. And it's something I would really associate with him, watching him over the years. He's a reliable machine of a person. And you just know nine times or whatever times out of X amount of shots, he's going to hit a reliable shot. I mean, it was interesting to see him say that because that's something I would associate with him so much. Well, he's just been out there printing money for 20 <laughs> yeah. years at this point, and he doesn't hit it anywhere. It's it's really amazing because, you know, I, I've known Justin Leonard. We're, we grew up in the same district here in high school. I've known him since we were kids. And it does seem like he played his way off the tour by by getting concerned with distance um, and then you see a guy like Furick, a guy like Zach Johnson. It's like, yeah, I wish I hit it further. And obviously I'm always preaching to try to hit it further, which, so I would be right there telling Justin the same thing, like let's hit it further, man. But you just can't let it, uh, you know, consume you. But the one thing that those guys that hit it shorter do know is they know exactly what it's going to do. And, and I, I, I just wonder how much trying to sling a draw out there, trying to get distance was kind of what, you know, was, was the start of Justin's struggles. If Demise, you yeah, the absolutely. I made a hundred million dollars also. It's not like, yeah. So he, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Shot shape, one shot to rule them all. Definitely trust your shot shape. I hope Lou's listening to this, Scott, because I'm not sure he's got a reliable shot shape from what he says. <laughs> Lou, hit that subscribe and like button. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, like Scott said there, hit that subscribe button if you want to listen to the podcast a little bit earlier and not miss the next episode. Um, and leave us a review down below. Let us know what you think of the podcast and also maybe let us know what you'd like us to talk about a bit more if we're not hitting the subjects that you want to hear. I'm sure we can take them on. As always, thanks for listening and we'll speak to you in the next podcast.